0: welcome again to this month's episode of in the works by career services at the university of calgary my name is lawrence and i'm joined by david hello okay so we are officially at the end of the semester here um how are you feeling david
1: yeah pretty good i guess
0: yeah <laughs> that was big. quite a long hesitation there <laughs>
1: Well, May is kind of a wild card month. It's either really nice or it's kind of, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: That's true. That's true. Yeah. And I mean, I'm looking forward to it. You know, every year we kind of, things kind of wind down for us a little bit uh, at the beginning of April as students are getting ready for their finals and whatnot. And then May comes around and then, you know, for us, it's this project season. You know, we, we start thinking about what we, you know, what to do next for the next semesters and, uh, you know, what sort of ideas or revisions or changes that we want to make. So yeah, it's kind of that that cycle for us. Um, but yeah, anything that you're looking forward to over uh, the next couple months here?
1: Well, it's just really helping students coach through their 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 summer, whether they're looking for a job or helping them with their resume, because it is really a great time to reflect before you take your steps moving forward when September starts.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely, and. Uh, I guess like a common question that we get as well as that, and you know, students often ask, are we open for the spring and the summer terms? And yeah, (laughs) the short answer is- Absolutely, we (laughs) are open. And yeah, I mean, again, if you're tuning in, you know, we'll just, you know, again, we're open, we got appointments, we got drop-ins, we also have workshops, right? So it's not as busy as the regular school year, but nonetheless, um, you know, during this time, if you're not too busy, um, maybe if you just have a class or two, or maybe even none, right? I mean, right now is a good time to uh, do a little bit of that career- development that uh, career thinking um great tips Lawrence <laughs> I okay. concur sounds good okay so I guess yeah for for this month's uh, show I guess I just want to recap and talk a little bit about the career conference that we just had uh in earlier May and so if for those of you who missed it um we did have well you know the career conference as I mentioned and what it was was just kind of a, a bit of a three-day um event We had a few keynote speakers, some workshops, as well as um, industry panels uh, throughout those couple of days there. This year, we kind of just kept it simple and straightforward. You know, the name is just Career Conference. It's your move, navigating a new world, right? So that was kind of the theme for for this year. And yeah, I guess today what I want to share a little bit is uh, some of those industry panels that we uh, featured during that conference. And so it has a big range of different things, right? And so I'll just give you maybe a couple of different titles here just to kind of give you a a sample. right, so we had uh, on the scene, working in arts, culture, and tourism, Uh, what's next, upskilling your future, making your own luck, disruptive innovation, right? So we kind of, I guess, you know, you can say, we put some, uh, try to put some catchy titles to each of those panels there. And yeah, each of them, we did invite a good number of panelists to uh, the conference here and basically had them talk a little bit about their work, their companies, and just any kind of tips for, for students. And so, yeah, I don't know, David, which one was your favorite? Which one did you get a chance to attend?
1: Well, what I really liked about the conference was it had really the chess theme of, of taking small steps, moving, because when you play chess, you have lots of chess pieces and you have to be strategic and move your pieces out. Yeah. You got to think ahead. So what I really liked was, was the panel that I, I was in charge of and, and it was a panel on people that have had careers with startups. So it was called starting small, taking the leap as an early employee. And we had four amazing panelists and they all started in startups Students don't often think that hey, they're always looking for jobs and, and things like that. But company is a very important part of your career. And and joining a company that fits with who you are mm-hmm. is very important. And you know what? Companies come in all shapes and sizes. And and why not start out with a smaller company or a startup? Or maybe you have an idea for a company, but you don't know how to how to get it going. So that was my panel and um anyway we talked about that and we talked about why they started in a smaller company and what interested them about it so it was a fantastic uh, discussion
0: yeah and i'm curious like did they talk anything about like taking a risk you know is it is working for a smaller or startup company a bit of a risk and did they encounter any of that
1: yeah, they, it is risky, right, to start with with a with a startup company because it might fizzle into nothing and go bankrupt. Right. But on the flip side, it might turn into a big organization and and become really really big. And then if you get into the ground level, you can maybe get bonuses and and things like that and move up pretty quick. But it is it's more of a risk. So are are you a risky person? Do do you want to take that chance? But If you want to learn more about that panel, then definitely um, check out. We actually recorded this session.
0: That's right. Yeah. If you go to our website, ucalgary.ca slash careers, you're able to watch uh, all the recordings that we had for the conference. So each of the days you'll see the agenda as well as then the keynote, the workshop, as well as then the panels. Okay. So for myself, I had the chance to moderate the one that was about sales and marketing. So the title for that uh, particular panel was Marketing Your Way to Success. Using your degree to sell. So yeah, I kinda like that one quite a bit. So <laughs> props to our team for that one. Um but yeah, the the main thing that I kinda got from all the panelists was that all of them really believed in what they were promoting or selling. Right. So we did have a variety of panelists, you know, some were yeah, in directly that sales role, some were in some of that uh community engagement, but really all of them, you know, believed in in what they were pitching and, and things like that. And I mean, it seems intuitive, but I do think, yeah, it's going to be hard to to sell something that you might be a little bit more half-hearted about. Um, so yeah, that was really one common quality that, that really stood out right away.
1: So did each of the panelists, did they talk about their aha moment when they really realized that this is what they want
0: to do and they really believe in it? So actually, out of all the panelists, only one took a marketing degree. You know, the others were in geology uh, and international relations. And yeah, a lot of them, I guess, just didn't really expect it. You know, they kind of started out in one area of the company or, or maybe they started in a totally different, just, you know, organization. And then, it's amazing, you know, eh? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you never, it's never, it's never what you expected from, from degrees where, where degrees and
0: careers go, eh? Yeah, Exactly. It's not a one for one. Absolutely. And also one other point that I want to mention specifically from the panel is that, um, well, actually I asked the the question, you know, in the role of sales and marketing and community engagement and, and stuff like that, you know, would an introvert be fit for those types of roles? And yeah, a lot of them answered yes, you know, yes, it is a good fit because um, yeah, even though the job is about making connections and a lot of it is still right about communicating and listening, you know, especially that part there. Um, you're able to to use good listening skills, really pay attention to what people are saying and respond appropriately. And, and so it is kind of a little bit more that kind of intricate side of things that introverts, I think, might have a little bit more of an advantage of and therefore be able to make stronger connections. But of course, there are going to be times where you're going to have to stretch the boundaries a little bit and, you know, be able to you know do presentations uh, and network and things like that but nonetheless there are still lots of advantages that introverts can bring to uh, these types of roles. Yeah and that was just one of the many great tips that I got from the panel there and so just to recap uh, the entire conference including these panelists are available on our website for viewing so definitely check it out okay so now we're gonna switch things over to one of our regular segments real people real careers where we talk to someone working in industry and so today we are featuring Preet Desi He graduated in 2015 with a major in accounting at the UFC, and during university, he was involved in a number of extracurricular activities. After graduating, he worked within the Big Four for a few years, and is now currently working as an investment banking associate at BMO Capital Markets. Interviewing him is David, as well as our student co-host, Jing Fang.
1: Okay, so... Tell us about your, your current role as, as at BMO and and what you like about
2: it and and why. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, so I, uh, I work in uh, investment banking as a, as a, an associate. So I started at uh, BMO Capital Markets uh, just about two years ago. I started as an analyst and uh, was recently promoted to an associate. So, uh, so the the job um, is very. Demanding, uh, as as those those of you who are familiar with uh, investment banking know, uh, it's very fast paced and uh, it's it's a lot of hours. You know, a lot of the times you you lose track of time and uh, and and there's the famous saying in investment banking uh, when you ask someone uh, your senior that hey, when do you uh, need this uh, completed by? Uh, and most people will tell you, well, I needed it yesterday, meaning that uh, there's, there's always a, a sense of urgency with the work. Um, and, you know, that's the part I like about it is that it's not, it's not your typical, um, uh, you know, set, start time, set end time kind of job. Uh, you work based on uh, what the demands of the business are, what the demands of our clients are. Um, and, and that's the part that I like about it.
3: Awesome. And what are some areas that you find is challenging for you
2: yeah so again this job is very demanding and uh you know it's, it's not for everyone and uh a few of the things that are very common and uh whenever i talk to my colleagues like it's you know it's pretty it's a pretty consistent theme and uh the biggest challenge is not having control over your time um uh, you know for example even recording this podcast uh, i think this was uh our third time rescheduling Uh, and and that's just because, you know, we just don't have any, any control over our time. And uh, um, so it gets very, it gets very difficult at times to schedule things with friends and with family. Um, There ends up being a lot of last minute cancellations, constantly running late. Uh, So that's the part that I, I I don't like, but you know, it's um, at the same time, I understand that this, this is the nature of the beast.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we know some of your stories at UFC, you get involved in extracurriculars uh, a lot, and, and I want to know. That's what did you get most from your post-secondary experiences?
2: Yeah. So I yeah. Look, looking back, you know, I, I would say some of my best memories are from the extracurricular activities. Uh, you know, and and everyone that's graduated will tell you this. You don't remember. Uh, what grade you got on a certain exam or whatever but it's these type of things like you know like extracurricular activities um, that you you know look back at and uh, and, and you know they, they make for really good memories for example the year like I, uh, I participated in JDC West which um, you know in our year we so my team was able to win uh, the first place prize and I think that was that was the very first time that Haskane had won a first place in accounting Um, so you know even now um, if I you know not so much but at times if I ever get a chance to come to campus I see that uh, JDC West trophy from 2015 sitting there and and it just brings back so many good memories so so those are the type of experiences I liked uh, and I enjoyed the most and uh, taking part in um, we were the first group to start HSA uh, has been student association so, so we were we were the first group to kind of start that and set up the infrastructure and and those are the things that I enjoyed the most and uh, you know what you get out of it is uh, a lifetime of friendships um, with some really smart people uh, who you know are going to go out in the world and do big things.
1: I mean yeah I mean you're absolutely correct I think and I was talking with Jing before you got on the the call and just like how university you the friends you meet and the connections you make at university is the the best connections in in your entire life right and so um, what would you say was your first real job after you graduated yeah so uh right after graduation
2: so since I was an accounting major uh you know and uh, an ideal job that a lot of accounting graduates want is to be able to work at a big four. Uh, so I was, I was fortunate enough to start at uh, at Deloitte. So I started in the public audit practice. Um, so even before that, I like, think the reason why I got the job at Deloitte was uh, not necessarily because, you know, I was uh, I, I was a straight-A student or anything. It was more because of all these extracurricular activities. I also did, I was part of the co-op program. Um, you know, I had summer jobs, ran my own business. So I think those were kind of the things that helped me get that first job at Deloitte, um, which was, I guess, uh, my, my first full-time job.
1: Okay. So when, when did you know that you were in the right place? Like, did you have like an aha moment where you're like, Hey, I, I know what I'm doing now for my career. Like, did you have one of those moments or? Sort of. Yes. So, so, so when I was, when I started at
2: Deloitte and, you know, Uh, everyone that, you know, has has started their first career job will, will tell you the same thing that the first job and, you know, first couple years were just very overwhelming. Um, and you know, you're just trying to get by and I was the same way at Deloitte. Uh, I, you know, looking back, I didn't fully enjoy, uh, or my experience at Deloitte. And that was just because, you know, I was very nervous and I didn't want to make any mistakes. I didn't want to say the wrong things to anyone. So I was very conservative at that point. Uh, and you know, so with, with accounting, so, you know, I had done my CPA. So in year two, after I was done the CPA, uh, you know, I started looking, uh, and reflecting on myself as to, okay, like what is it that I want to do? What type of life I want to live? What is my long term career plan? And, you know, I just didn't see myself in accounting at that point. And, uh, I had another friend at, at Deloitte, um, uh, you know, he's still a really good friend of mine. And he actually told me that, Hey, like, you know about investment banking and you know it that just the way he explained it to me, I think that was kind of my aha moment. Uh in a sense that I said, okay, well, this job seems like it will offer me everything that I'm looking for. Uh, and and then after that, uh, you know, it was so from the time I, I realized and or I decided that I want to work in investment banking to actually getting a job in investment banking, mm-hmm. it was, you know, uh, one to two year process. Uh, but, uh, you know, the more I learned about it, the more I prepared, the more I wanted a job. Uh, so I think that was, uh, that was my aha moment.
1: Great. Now, um, let's go into the tips part of our, um, podcast and, and uh, you've kind of touched about this already a little bit, but don't go into, into kind of the finance investment, uh, banking. If you are what, um
2: if you if you enjoy work life balance and if you have other priorities in life um that are more pressing uh, or other things in life that uh mean more to you uh, you know that could be a family it could be uh friends it could be other uh, any other commitments but if you have a lot of commitments and you can't uh, and and you can't be flexible with your time, then you know, then
1: this job is probably not for you. But let let me kind of add a, qu- a question in in there. Um, like, is this your like long term goal, Preet, or is just just something that you, you want to do now, or is this like have you thought about kind of ten years from now? Or yeah, absolutely. So so you know the
2: uh, the beauty of uh, investment banking is that the more senior you get the more manageable your hours become. So kind of the points I've made so far are, you know, your first two years. Your first two years are, uh, are the most difficult where, uh, you know, you don't really have control over your time. You're kind of working around the clock. Uh, most banks, you know, are now starting to adapt like, um, like you know, where, where you get like a mandatory Saturday off and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, it's not all, it's not all bad. Uh, and it does get better over time. Uh, for me personally, yes, I do see myself in this job long term. Uh, I really do enjoy the work, um, and you know, the, you know the fact that uh, I, I do wake up excited to uh, to work in the morning, and uh, and there's there's never time uh, in the last two years. There's probably, yeah, looking back, there's probably not been a single day where I felt bored. To be honest with you, like there's just always so much on the go, and uh, and you know, you, you, it, it looks like the entire day it goes by in the blink of an
1: eye. Wow. I mean, you've talked a lot about the the perks and the bonuses, but like, like what's, what's the real advantage of going in, into this type of work?
2: So with, with investment banking, so how the traditional investment banking structure was set up is uh, uh, you know, you, you work in investment banking and most people would leave it, leave investment banking after two years and, and, you know, they will then go pursue other finance or other corporate uh, related jobs. And the real advantage of working in investment banking is one uh, you get very, very um, uh, efficient with managing your time and you can constantly work under uh, very tight deadlines and uh, like competing priorities. So a lot of employers recognize that skill set because, you know, those are, those are the skills that are, uh, will make you a good employee in any field. So, so those are really the advantages is, you know, uh, you'll be very, very desirable in any field and you'll succeed. Uh, even the extent uh, that we use PowerPoint and Excel in investment banking, you know, having worked in accounting before this, I can tell you that how much Excel I use now or how much I know about Excel and PowerPoint, I probably knew 10, 15% of it in uh, in accounting. So that's that's just a that comparison to basically say like, you know, I, I often think that, okay, if I was to go back to accounting, I feel like I would be able to do that job a lot more effectively and get better results. And a lot of employers recognize that. And that's the real advantage. You know, you stick it out, uh, you grind for, let's say, two years and, and you learn the essential skills. And then you can go work in any field after that.
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to do, do the time, right? Like, and they kind of see what you're like. And then it sets you up for success for the future.
2: That's, that's exactly it. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. We're very well put.
1: Well, thank you so much, Preet.
0: To listen to this episode again or to hear previous ones that we have aired, you can go to ucalgary.ca slash careers. All right, welcome back to In the Works on CJSW. And to close off the show for today, uh, I thought it'd be a good idea to visit with uh, Liliana, our career development specialist for international students. And we had spoken with her a couple months ago, but I thought it'd be good to check in with her again.
3: Hi Lawrence, thank you for having me. It's great to be back here and things are going great and I'm very happy to be sharing some time here with you.
0: So to be honest, I don't really have much of an agenda. Um, I think yeah just more of a bit of a check in and seeing what you want to talk about Um, any interesting books or articles or shows that you might have seen.
3: Yeah, I think one thing that comes to mind. Currently, I've been looking at a workbook. The name is The Mindful Self-Compassion Workbook by Kristin Neff and Christopher Germer. So the reason why I picked it up is because of everything that's happening with the pandemic, uh, so much uncertainty. And the idea of this workbook is that you're able to build like inner strength, you're able to thrive, and you're able to learn how to accept yourself regardless of whatever's happening in the world. So it gives you some information about, let's say, what self-compassion is, how to build it. It talks a bit about the research behind it, but it also gives you pretty much activities that you can go through and sort of write on the workbook. And it gives you ideas of how you can start cultivating self-compassion in your life.
0: Yeah, that's very important. And tell us a little bit more about self-compassion, like what it is and how is it important and applicable?
3: Mm-hmm. I have found it a really fascinating topic. I think what I find really interesting is that oftentimes we tend to be or worse, inner enemy. And so pretty much we tend to be pretty critical towards ourselves. And the idea is that if you're able to cultivate compassion, you can become that ally, you can become more supportive. And in the workbook, they mentioned that there are three elements that make it up. So the three things they talk about is self-kindness, mindfulness, and common humanity. So with self-kindness is the idea that oftentimes if you think about, let's say, a a friend who's struggling, a family member, we tend to be pretty supportive and and we're there for them. We listen, we encourage them. We say, you know, it's okay, you can try again. Um, Whereas when it tends to be about ourselves, we tend to be quite critical and we tend to maybe label ourselves as I'm a failure or, you know, I shouldn't have done this. And so self-kindness is that you try to be generous towards yourself the same way you might be towards someone that you care about. The second one, mindfulness, which is more about being able to be in the present moment. So as I mentioned earlier, Lawrence, with everything that's happening in the world right now, it can be overwhelming when you have so many uncertainties, so many news happening. And so oftentimes we have so many thoughts, emotions that are going through our minds. And so the idea is that you learn to be present and you're able to to accept even negative emotions that you might be having, but in a non-judgmental way. And then the final one, the common humanity one talks about the fact that we're all humans and we all make mistakes, we all have flaws, but we tend to think of ourselves as having to be perfect. And we have these expectations that we're not allowed to fail or make mistakes. So by understanding that everyone is human, uh, we're all going to experience negative events or hardships, then we're going to be more compassionate towards each other.
0: Mm -hmm, Yeah, that's a good outline. Definitely giving yourself that space isn't always easy and and actually one thing that's sort of kind of worked for me I guess is that sometimes I kind of picture myself as the third person, you know So that like I'm talking to someone else and I I think that does help um, Again be a little bit less critical on yourself and maybe give yourself a little bit more of that understanding But I'm curious what drew you to this book and make you want to pick it up?
3: Yeah, I think it's related to Topics and conversations that I've had with some of the students that i have been helping, and so, as I mentioned, even in career development and job search, sometimes you are faced with difficult situations, perhaps you have a rejection letter, or maybe the the job that you really wanted, it didn't come through. And so I have noticed that sometimes people tend to, to be pretty critical, including myself, too, and so I thought it would be a really good way to apply this concept into career development and job search. So, for example, in career development, we know that many times we see people when they're successful and we only see the success, right? Let's say when we think about someone that has achieved um, everything that they wanted in their career, we don't really get to see the behind the scenes all the failures they might have had or the mistakes. And so when we compare ourselves, it kind of makes us feel like we should not be making any mistakes, that we should be perfect. And so even within career development, being able to have that self-compassion can help you reduce and make the expectations um, something that are reality, like not have expectations that are not possible. But also within research, they've shown that if you have self-compassion, you're going to be more likely to take responsibility for your actions and you're actually going to have greater success. So that's why I was interested in picking up this particular workbook.
0: And, and more related to that, uh, what are some concrete steps that people can take to start cultivating that self-compassion?
3: So in the workbook, they they give a lot of different strategies, very nice strategies. And as I said, you can go through it. Uh, They have questionnaires. They have homeworks that you could do. But a couple that stood out to me include keeping a self-compassion journal. So it was something that I found really interesting. And the idea was that pretty much every day for about a week or maybe a couple of weeks, what you could do is at the end of the day, you could write down when you have some time at the end of the day you could write down anything during the day where you felt bad you felt bad about something maybe you felt judged or maybe you made a mistake and the idea is that when you take a look at it you write it down you tell you write down the situation you're going to try to look at it in a compassionate way so try to see how if let's say it was a friend going through that situation what would you say to them try to be mindful and so even if you're experiencing some emotion Trying to be okay with that emotion and trying to realize that perhaps that experience that you had is common humanity. So other other people might be experiencing something like that too. So that could be useful. And then, as I had mentioned earlier too, mindfulness. Um, If you could start trying mindfulness, there's many different ways to do this. Even through the University of Calgary, the Wellness Center has a mindfulness. group. And then they also have some resources online that you can start looking at that. And then one that I use is Headspace is an app that you can do. You can use to be able to do the mindfulness. And I find it really rewarding.
0: Yeah. If you actually use Headspace myself and uh, tried it out for a little bit, um, I remember that the narrator's voice was quite soothing. So that was my favorite part about it.
3: Yeah. And it's very visually appealing as well. Yeah. They make it very, very easy to understand the concepts. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And also about journaling, I know a few of us at Career Services uh, recommend it quite a bit. And, um, yeah, from, for myself, I think it's something that's pretty useful. Uh, I've kind of started it a little bit, you could say. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, if, if the day's not going especially well, then I think it does help to kind of write in it briefly. Um, and I think that helps with, yeah, kind of looking at it from a third-person point of view. And uh, kind of, you can see, you know, maybe the situation from a more objective point of view.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it has been really useful. And if the the nice thing about it is that you can go back and read whatever you wrote years later, and then you'll be surprised to see how you've grown and how your mindset has changed. And so it could be a really nice way to reflect back and see how you've progressed and how things have changed.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I really do enjoy that part. Okay, well, thanks for sharing uh, the book with us today, as well as some of the tips and other things to keep in mind. Uh, Any final messages from you?
3: Yeah, I think one quote that actually stood out to me in this particular workbook that I was mentioning is that learning to embrace yourself and the imperfections, and that will help you thrive. And so instead of running away from your flaws, instead of running away from mistakes or failures or any negative emotions is really understanding that they're normal, they're going to be happening throughout a lifetime. And how do I embrace it and use it as a way to become strong and thrive in my career and in my life?
0: Awesome. That's a good note to end on. So thanks, Liliana, for dropping by.
3: Thank you so much for having me, Lawrence.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. And we hope to check in with you again soon. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of our show. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll talk to you then next time on In the Works.